Welcome to the Rouge White Blue CFL podcast. The okay, what are we calling this? <laughs> is this the Rouge White and, and Bull, or is the the RWB Bull, or what are we calling this? Just the Rouge White and Blue Bull sounds good. All right, <laughs> or the Rouge White and Blue Cup, if we want to stick with oh, that's true. Canadian. Yeah, that's... yeah. Let's let's stay away from the bowl games. Those are for yeah. Those are for the states. It's the Rouge, White, and Blue Cup. Okay. You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. So, welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue. Uh, the, the Rouge, White, and Blue Cup preview episode. My name's Oz Davis. I'll be the co-host for the show. And joining me with his, what, fourth consecutive Grey Cup appearing, Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan, Joe Pritchard. Joe, yeah, how is it going? Uh, I've been in your seat before. The <laughs> Hey, look, we weren't supposed to win the final, but... Right. We did, so it's going to be a fun time, regardless of how it turns out. And that was 2019. That turned out rather well for us. So Yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, thinking about this uh, when preparing for the show. This game kind of feels like a culmination of the Roost White Blue. We've been doing this for about seven, eight seasons now. I don't even I don't even remember how long when we began. And uh, this is the first time that our teams have met the Grey Cup. This is the first time the Alouettes have been in the Grey Cup since 2010. Bit of a tangent here, but correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. This means that the team with the longest drought of Grey Cup appearances is now the Riders, is it not? 2013. The, but, yeah, the, the Owls had been but, not since 2010. Was BC 2011, though? No. Have they been to one since? Oh, BC. BC, yep. Yep, 2011 BC was in it. I think that was the last time they were actually in the Cup. Yeah, so you may be right. Okay. Wow, which is pretty hard to to believe considering how middling the East has been these past few years. Well, but now, I mean, as I was saying, had to win the couple of years that Ottawa got in there. Well, the one year that right. Ottawa got in there with a losing record, but still won the division. So, I mean, that, that they were there. They were there the year before and a little bit slightly more deserving record. So, Let's see, Ottawa, Toronto has obviously been in it recently, and I mean, Hamilton has had it since Ottawa had it, until Toronto did, so now we're starting to do the loop. Right. Right. (laughs) So does this mean the Riders are back next year? All right, so... (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I was was looking into this before the show. I was just thinking about this before the show. Okay, so since the show has begun especially coming out of the East, we've seen that second year and that third year Ottawa team play in the Grey Cup, even winning the one year with the amazing game by Henry Burris. That was our first, first full quarter. season, I want to say. 2016 was our first full season. So we've been doing a while. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. And uh, we've seen two nine and nine Argos teams in the Grey Cup, winning both times. The first time in that freaky snow game in uh, in Calgary, which basically turned on a single play. Um, that Grey Cup. And uh, just the general emergence of this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team with Zach Caleros, whose career uh, conclusion we were debating after he took the injury with Hamilton Tiger Cats. And to be now is too. It wasn't just us. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. We, I mean, as the as the uh, CFL centric collective you know uh in general um again this this guy was his viability as a starting quarterback in the cfl was being debated comes to winnipeg and now he's about to appear in his fourth consecutive great cup you know a lot we started quarterback we started sorry i want to say we started in november or october or november 2015 we started right at the end of that season we've been doing right so long that Edmonton has won a cup on our watch. <laughs> well, these things come and go, right? I mean, we 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 entered the scene uh, just as Saskatchewan was falling apart, right from the from selling out for the Grey Cup, and uh, Montreal has been i mean let's face it basically until now has been in this massive rebuilding process you know when when you lose a calvio level quarterback you know i suppose this happens it's been a bit long i think for alouette's fans tastes but again like like these teams ebb and flow i mean <laughs> i don't know we should probably get out before uh, winnipeg slumps back into you know, non-dominance, let's put it that way, uh, for a little while. But, you know, these things come and they go. I don't know. Um, that's kind of a weird place to start, but what the hey? Do you see any staying power for these Montreal Alouettes, or is this just a case of, you know, a killer defense coming together for half a season? Well, I mean, Sean Lemon's not going to stay around forever because he never stays anywhere for more than a year or two. Um, he's got to finish it. He's got to finish the cycle. So he's got one more team to hop to, I believe. Uh, <laughs> but even if they keep him around for a year or two, he's not, he's not here five years from now. He doesn't have that long of a career, but Darnell Sankey, maybe. And Stubblefield, if he doesn't get an NFL shot, they should throw, they should throw a lot of money at him. He's really, really good. They have a lot of talent on defense. They have some good young talent on offense. They're not even using the talent they have at running back as much as they could be. Although that's a feature of Jason Moss's offense, not a bug. And well, that offense has done enough this year to put them where they're at. So no complaints on my end. It's just kind of weird. Can you imagine? It's kind of weird to see William stand back in a supporting role, but. They got to a great cup with him in a supporting role, so it must be working somehow, right? Well, it's punctuated with these games where he dominates. 
you know, it's it, it, and that's what I was thinking along the way. I mean, is that uh, th this is what I was thinking last year. This is how I was fooled last year into thinking we were going to make a deep run in the playoffs was that there are times when he looks like the best running back in the CFL. Now, this year, Olet over there in Toronto has been pretty awesome <laughs> until the last three quarters of the last game. <laughs> uh, but the last three quarters of the last game. In my, <laughs> oh, and there's some, but uh, somebody else out west that's pretty good. I forget his name offhand. Oh, Oliveira, he's pretty good. No, uh, yeah, yeah. But there are times when I will stand by my guy. There are times when he looks like the best running back in the league. It's just that you know, last year this was a couple games at a time. This year it's been you know three quarters of a game. At a time. Um, for some, I don't know if it's just wear and tear. I don't know if it's, you know, some bizarre time sharing thing, whatever. Uh, but he just hasn't been there every game this year, which is which has made the Alouettes a bit frustrating, to be honest, this season. It's just like who's coming out of the backfield from game to game. Especially if you're playing fantasy. <laughs> I think the rule this year was never draft a Alouette's running back uh on your team. Or take Ant but, uh, team and as your second back and pick somebody else from another team. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Except stand back was way overpriced all season. In any case, that's that's a rabbit hole we don't need to go down. Um, I wanted to start the show by asking Joe, uh, who do you think was more disappointed with the divisional results, uh, the Lions fans or the Argos fans? The Argos fans by far, because that Argos team had lost one game that mattered the whole season, and then just collapsed. This mm -hmm. one step away from a chance at back-to-back -back cups. I mean, there's no guarantees. But that team not even have a roll the dice at it. That's mm -hmm. BC, on the other hand, I mean, disappointing. They wanted a better effort. They wanted to see if they could get over the hump. But they weren't the number one team out west. They were on the road. So they were the underdog. Yeah. It's disappointing. They wanted to progress this year. And they kind of, really, though, if you think about it, they did prove that they could have staying power without Nathan Rourke. That's a positive for them. On the other hand, they probably wanted to take that next step, and they were a half of football in Vancouver away from taking that next step. And then the offense just decided to disappear for yeah. the next six quarters they played against Winnipeg. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I said it last week, here's Vernon Adams putting in a career game, you know, against, um, Calgary in the first round and wow. Wow. Just not a career game this time. 13 of 26, 221 yards, three interceptions against one touchdown, all of them bad and or disastrous. Um, so I wow. asked, I mean, was it the play yeah. calling that made Vernon stay in the pocket as much as he did? Was it 
Or was it the fact that Vernon was holding up for the big play? Or was it a matter of both? Because by the middle of the first quarter, I could tell what Winnipeg's defense was going to be. It was going to be rush four, maybe five, and sometimes even three. And Mm -hmm. the quarterback eventually, because he's looking for the 30-yard pass on every single play. Yeah. 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 It seemed like that. It seemed like that. So Winnipeg had no adjustments because BC made no adjustments. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. It's a good call. It's a good call. Um, yeah, he did seem there did seem to be that big play mentality uh on this team. And ironically, one touchdown. One one passing touchdown. And it was that fluky uh bounced off of uh Dominique Grimes and uh, uh was got for a touchdown. Uh this was their only T D of the game. It's a good thing. This wasn't at BC because wow, that crowd the past couple of seasons has been into these games and woof, they would have been really sad with this result, um, this performance by the offense. And the defense was the defense for BC, letting up a lot of points and you know, letting the offense, you know, try and outscore a Winnipeg team, which hasn't given up, which doesn't give up 30 every day. Let's put it that way. Well, Winnipeg was in was playing a slightly shorthanded on the receiving core. They were short Dalton shown. Nick Dempsey, yep. Rashid Bailey, and Greg McRae were all game time decisions, so they clearly weren't one hundred percent. So Winnipeg Dempsey had a heck of a game. Played a conservative game plan because BC wasn't wasn't forcing them to have to take risks. They could sit mm-hmm. behind. They ran behind the offensive line for the whole first first mm-hmm. BC. Then adjusted. They played harder against the run, and Kenny Lawler did enough to keep the ball moving and help Winnipeg score enough points that they didn't have to come out of the defense they were in. They could just sit back, let Vernon try to throw 40, 50 yards downfield every single play. The defense got to him more often than not. Uh, Winnipeg never had to come out of the conservative game plan because they never had to chase points. They were up 15 going going to the last play of the first half. That the, the Hail Mary changed the complexion of the game, made it a one-score game, but Winnipeg slowly continued, just uh, kind of ignored it. They just continued to do what they were doing, moving the ball, yeah. eating clock, scoring enough points to make it a two-possession game, and then BC could just never respond. Yeah. Well, I mean, surprise, surprise. I mean, look, when did you think Winnipeg had this game in hand? Was it was it before I, they went into the locker room at halftime or after they came out? Because in the, I had no fear whatsoever well, that Winnipeg was going to lose this game. After the half, took me until about the middle of the fourth quarter to go. BC's just not going to score again, are they? Right. And then at that point, it was a little bit easier to take a breath. But I mean, West Finals haven't been Winnipeg's forte. 2019 was probably the best one they played. They went into they went into Saskatchewan, played a very tough game, played very well. Saskatchewan rallied near the end. 
and the goalposts helped help the Bombers. 2021, they turned the ball over a bunch of times, and Saskatchewan could just never put the Bombers away. They had many chances. And then last year was a little bit better, but that's because Nathan Rourke was just off. It just wasn't his day. Kind of the same as this, as this, but BC had more weapons and more ways to move the ball last year. They could use a running game. This year, they just decided they lost Ken Hatcher right away. Achilles, even. So he might be done for next year as well with the way these things go, which is unfortunate. But there was one receiver BC had that was making any plays whatsoever, and that was Justin McInnes. Dominic Ryan appeared. Nobody else stepped up. Yeah, and BC's had issues with it. It's, it seems it seems weird to say it about a team that averages 30, 31 points a game. But uh, Mizell was uh, – he dropped off this season. I mean, last year he came on real strong at the end. He had a good you know, first quarter, first half of the season. Uh, but that just couldn't, couldn't depend on the running game for uh, much. And out of the top – Could BC. This league, I've been saying it since the beginning of the season – BC's got the highest ceiling of any of these teams, right? But the lowest, yeah. and we fall on the floor, right? Playoffs, which, yeah, right. They, but, you saw it in the last two games. Yep, you saw it in the last two games. I mean, they toyed with Calgary for most of that game, you know, in, in this game, and and again, like Vernon had, I mean, what five touchdowns? I mean, <laughs> you know, he's accounting for five TDs. I mean, come on now. Come on now. And then in this game, he's accounting for what? Three obvious interceptions? You know, three throat slashing interceptions? I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, it was just like, it was night and day, these two games. These two games for BC. And there you go. That was your ceiling in your floor <laughs> right there. Um, okay. Okay. Well, on that Argos game, <laughs> um, Okay, obviously my favorite game of the year. Uh, I feel like to some extent um, the Alouettes have been playing and Alouettes fans have been responding to Josh Smith's comments on this very show on one week that I was not here and he was guest hosting with you, Joe, which said that, ah, all these fans, you know, they talk about how they want defense. They don't want to watch defense. I want to watch defense. I want to watch this team's defense. I mean, two pick sixes, um, you know, forcing three and outs, forcing, um, yeah, I just, you know, the I just, Sean Lemon vicious strip sack. About things. Yeah. They've got a deep. I mean, damn, these guys are good. And, and uh, I wanted to look this up because on the seven game winning streak, uh, the turnover ratio is, do you want to guess? Like 20? Yeah. 25 to 5, this team is winning on the turnover differential. Now, this was a team who I believe it might have been after the 47-17 loss to Winnipeg in Week 12. Uh, this is when I just lost it about this crummy offensive line. 
and about how there's no protection here. You know, they're getting enough of it now. You know, it's still not very good. I mean, Fajardo is surrounded every time he's making a throw in the pocket right now. So it's still not good, but they're not getting home on him anymore. I mean, they Toronto got a couple of sacks this game, but they're not getting to Fajardo like they did in the first half of the season, even the first two thirds of the season to be realistic. Um, so that was a positive, but we're just not giving the ball up and we're generating these turnovers. In fact, I don't know. What did you think after the pick six on the first drive? Okay. Did did the window open for you? Where I was instantly at that point. No, I was just like, okay, let's see how the Argos respond. They just got punched in the mouth. Let's see how they come back. And then they spent the rest of the first half blowing third and once. Right. They told me everything I needed to know. Right. It was like that took the wind out. Was that was that pick six? I mean, uh, nine turnovers in this game. Nine turnovers in this game by Toronto. Right. And, and I would I mean, <laughs> come out of the half making some changes, trying to be slightly more conservative, maybe even making a quarterback switch if it kept getting worse. And then they just spent the third quarter letting Chad Kelly throw terrible interceptions. Because I want to say there was one around with five minutes to go in the third where the Toronto receiver was running out toward the sidelines. And you could see they like hesitate to throw it and then just throw up a rainbow. And throwing a rainbow to the sidelines in the CFL is just begging for it. And, <laughs> and then as I was watching him make that progression, deciding, do I throw it? Do I not? Oh, I, I threw it. And like, that's the least confidence I've seen in Chad Kelly's eyes all season. Mm. And then, of course, mm. the pick. They're they're not even in terrible danger at that point. They could still make a game of it. But that pick at that point I knew that it was over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was and plus, you know, this is they close out the third quarter and they still hadn't scored a touchdown yet. No. The Argos. No. You know? I mean, uh this is a team that went. The, the Owls, I mean, the Owls defense just went seven quarters without letting up a touchdown, you know. And the only reason why they got that last one is because the secondary kind of fell asleep for the Owls for a little bit there. You know, they, they were like getting a little bit cocky back there and leaving, you know, giving these guys five-yard cushions, you know. So they, if, they, if the defense had like knuckled uh, if the secondary especially had knuckled under a little bit more for the Alice they might have shut him out at least out of the end zone in this game so so I'm I'm not sure how much of this was Toronto just not executing and how much of this was the uh Montreal defense but I prefer on this winning streak to believe that it's the defense. I mean, pretty tough to argue with a the little, team that, that. I would say a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think sure. a lot. I think the score is even at halftime. If Toronto would have done some basic things, what's the third and what's put in your short yardage quarterback? Have have that have a player that's experienced in the short yardage take it. 
Chad Kelly wasn't doing that most of the season, was he? I don't think he was. And if you do that, you execute those things, you're in, I think they were in scoring range at least one of those. You're getting three. If you get three out of both of those, the score's a lot closer. And then you're not feeling desperation in the third quarter going, oh my god, we have to catch up. And putting the game out of reach. How big of an upset is this? I mean, seriously, this line opened at 11. <laughs> you know, it closed, I think, at some places it closed at 10. 10-point 10 underdog. And uh, I don't know. For me, that that interception on the first drive was huge because, I mean, not that I threw money at the Alouettes or anything, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But, uh, you know, with as, as a 10. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's a 10-point underdog going up like 6 nothing when you're kick when you kicked off to the other team is huge. It's huge. I mean, you you already figure at this point, at least I tend to, that okay, this game's going to be within a touchdown. You know, it's going to be a 7-point game, 8-point game. So, um that's a good sign for me. So, I don't know. I mean, really, the only negative side I would, and I'm not even gonna say negative. The only neutral side for this game for Montreal was that their offense didn't do a whole lot. They, yeah, yeah. takes, but they didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got the two touchdowns out of the defense and the one out of the special teams, right? So, the the, the <laughs> offense know. was responsible for seventy points at most. I'm not even thinking about how the offense scored. Like, did they have short short drives? Did they have were they already in field, field position and kicked a field goal? I, I'm not even thinking that way. The offense got 17 points. Everybody else got 21. Yeah, of course you want to steamroll them. You want to have all facets going. But I think the biggest problem Montreal's going to have next week is does the offense produce? Well, yeah, but okay, Winnipeg has not been. Now we're now we're just straight into the to the preview for the Great Cup here. Winnipeg has not been the high watt offense all year. I mean, okay, so in the first meeting between these two teams this year, it was seventeen to three, and in that game, yeah, okay, Oliveira went I think twenty for one twenty. 20 carries for 120 yards. I believe he had a touchdown in that game. Okay. But, you know, just like in this game, Caleros only threw for about 150 yards or so. I mean, my first feeling is, you know, the over-under on the Grey Cup is 47 and a half. Oh. My first feeling is this is going way under. Way under. Way under. It, because if I'm, This is going to be a low-scoring game. Because if I'm Winnipeg, I have the same exact offensive game plan as I had last week. Of course, overs. They've been doing this all year. Well, even more so. It's like it's right. It's about as slanted toward the run and short gains as I've seen a CFL offense in a long time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. limit the chances for the opponents to do damage because I've seen them kind of trend this way after the BC game in Vancouver, where Zach had a couple of turnovers in the red zone, and that was caused by the pass rush and trying to do too much. They've really brought themselves into, okay, 
let's just manage the game. Let's not make any sort of dramatic, try to change the game in one shot these days. It it worked against BC because BC's offense wasn't doing anything. I have a stat for you. How many points Montreal offense has put up against Winnipeg this season? (laughs) Okay. Well, it's not more than the offense. I mean, do I count field goals? It's not more than 13. It's six. Six? Wow. Three? Wow. Because remember, there were two pick sixes in that Montreal game, too, and the Montreal-Winnipeg game. Okay. Because yeah, I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember if it was one or two in that game. Yeah. That being yeah. a little bit loose with the ball around then too. Because remember the Edmonton game, he threw thrown a bunch of picks and got himself hurt. Mm-hmm. Trying to make Dustin Nielsen scream what is happening as many times as possible that game. Um and then again in Vancouver, but Vancouver was forced in the errors as opposed to Zach was just making mistakes around the time that mm-hmm. Montreal game happened where Dequois had one and I forget who else had the other, but two pick sixes. Otherwise that game's 47 to three or worse. <laughs> now yeah. for Montreal defense, they can, they, they still have a lot of, they still had playmakers then, but that defense is hot now. So don't give them a chance to be hot. Make them make, the basic play and don't give them a chance to make the big play because that's where the game will swing and then trust your defense to do what they've done all season against Cody Fajardo make him ineffective and if that happens they're walking away with their third grade cup in five years how many turnovers does it take for Montreal to win this game Three or four from Winnipeg, and at least one of them is going to have to be a direct score. And another one is going to have to give Montreal fantastic field position. Okay. Does Does Montreal score a touchdown in this game at all? At all, I think they've got one in them. Okay. There's going to be one bounce. Wow be it an offensive play, be it a kick return, because when the Pegs coverage team hasn't been great this year, or be it the defense does take one from Winnipeg. I think you got one in you. I don't think you have two. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, I I mean, how much... How much do you see out of Winnipeg scoring wise? I mean, because I I wonder where the scores are going to come from too. If if the Owls can limit uh, Oliveira, what are the Bombers going to do? They do have more weapons than what they what they showed. They played a very conservative game plan against BC because they didn't have to come up. Yes. So. If they make a big turnover early, if we have another situation where. Dequois or or somebody else makes that big play early and it's seven nothing Montreal and then it's ten to three Montreal in the third quarter, well the offense is gonna have to open up, isn't it? 
And what will help the offense open up, too, is if their guys get any healthier um, on the receiving core. Because it felt like they were protecting some guys on the receiving core, too, because they didn't have to go to them, so they didn't. I'm also surprised they didn't use Drew Wolitarski more last week because he's been he's the guy that comes up on second down when you're not expecting a lot out of the offense because I, the, the, I'm sure they're going to throw everything they got at Lawler. Show. Oh, wait, they forgot Drew Wolitarski. 15 yards, first down, play the guitar. Right. Um, right. 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 It's what. <laughs> Yeah, it's what it's what Schoen did all season last year in his rookie year. Um right, okay, so so the I know you're not a gambling man, Joe, but the line on this is seven and a half. Seven and a half point. Underdogs are the Alouettes, which I thought was pretty interesting after they started last week as an eleven point underdog. Um they cover this, don't you think? You think what do you am I thinking Winnipeg's covering the seven and a half? No, I think Montreal is gonna cover this. Okay. But where do they get the points to do that? Because I think Winnipeg's scoring in the twenties. Do you see see that's I'm looking at sixteen ten, maybe? We could have I a, mean again, I, I'm thinking seventeen to three game. I wouldn't I would not get too upset about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, don't seventeen to three games. I just don't see Montreal's offense doing a whole lot because Winnipeg's faced this offense, this offensive scheme in the past. They made, they made it, they buried it two straight games against Montreal. I don't see anything changing here because they seem to have the blueprint on shutting this down. They found a blueprint to shut BC down. I just think that defense, our defense is playing. It, it, our defense isn't as flashy as yours lately, but it's been solid. And I just don't see, I don't see Montreal having the horsepower to go past that. Whereas I could, I could see Winnipeg being able to make a few big plays against Montreal's if they have to. All right, so how many points would Montreal have to limit Winnipeg to? If it if like six, if Winnipeg scores under twenty, it's a game. If Winnipeg gets to twenty, I don't see Montreal getting that far. Okay, okay, all okay. right. So yeah, best case scenario for you then. Let's see. Yeah, because the book is picking about twenty-seven to twenty at this. Uh, point I don't and I was pretty yeah that was my feeling too is that the first thing I thought when I saw this line is really the owls are going to score 20 <laughs> you know so uh which I'm not expecting do we know anything about the weather here it seems game? like it's going to be above freezing I don't know if there's going to be vacation we're still a week out oh well not quite at this point but yeah. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a freezer bowl, and it's not going to be a winter wonderland. So I think it'll have a minimal impact at best on this game, unless it decides to downpour during the game. 
and then freaky stuff happens like Toronto Calgary um now that now you have now you have me thinking here oh it looks like I'm gonna get poured on on Friday but no Sunday's gonna be above freezing maybe get down to freezing at night yeah not a big deal weather <laughs> will not be a factor okay Okay. Now, what? This game is starting at, what, like 5 p.m., 6 p.m. local time? Yeah, I think it's a 6 o'clock start, and it looks like winds yeah. are dying down from earlier in the day to late in the day. <laughs> so unless... I love it. Yeah, unless there's a wind tunnel effect going on at at Tim Hortons Field, I don't see the weather making a big impact on this one. And that's your Rouge White and Blue weather report for the week. Uh, the uh, Okay, we can do this game. I think they do this on ESPN, or maybe it's over at the Ringer Network. Um, what is the headline of the non-existent sports pages if uh, Montreal wins this game? I Yeah, if Montreal finds a way to win this game, which... If their offense produces more than I'm expecting them to, they've got a great, they've got a shot. I just don't see the offense doing much. But gosh, what would the headline be? So Bajardo, unlikely hero. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to think about what the newspaper headlines would be in Regina for this. Um, <laughs> Well, that was actually that was actually one uh, funny post that I saw on this. Okay, so it's uh, Fajardo versus Galeros. Who do you think the Riders fans are cheering against more? <laughs> and my initial thought was that uh, my initial answer to that was, "Who cares?" You know, honestly, you guys aren't in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, so. What is what is the headline if the Bombers win? Is it all about putting their greatness into historical context yeah. at that point? For Dynasty, yes. At yeah. that point, three, yeah. three championships in five years with one of those years it, it not being available to anybody because yeah, pandemic and all that. Yeah, the big capital D for Dynasty, and that's all you do for the newspaper headline. Uh, if you have the Alouettes win... You'll see upset headlines, although it's not going to be. They're the hot hand right now, which does bother me slightly. Because Winnipeg did this exact thing in 2019. Where they were, they all of a sudden just got hot and nobody could touch them. Yeah, but the level of competition hasn't been there. You know, I mean, these teams like, okay, so this whole thing started with the close loss to Toronto, which capped, you know, the Owls this season, regular season, against teams with a winning record at 0-7. You know, that was, that was it for, you know, our season against good teams. Okay, but after that, they've run off this seven-game winning streak and until the the win against the Argos last week, this team hadn't faced, you know, again, they were 
they that's six wins against teams with losing records. You know, so I I can't take that too seriously. However, I, I mean, again, this too upset too upset if somebody went on the Paul Feinbaum show and went, they Montreal ain't played nobody, Paul. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's what it is. Well, no, I mean, we showed our medal last yeah. week. And the truth is, is that, like, look, again, two straight games where, you know, you're not allowing a score in seven quarters. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, against Ottawa, they also had a similar streak when they played the back-to-back there. They went seven quarters against Ottawa without allowing an offensive touchdown. Um, I like that. And I like the 25 to five. You can't argue with, I mean, the fact that they're generating so many turnovers against teams of all stripes is, and all strategies is huge. That's massive. And we've only given up five, which is also a big deal. This because is why again, when it, it brings their playbook from last week forward to this week and just says, keep the ball in your hands, grind it out and win the game. Again, I think I think turnovers is going to be the key. I think that's going to be the key, as long as Winnipeg doesn't panic. I think they're going to get to him. I think I think our pass rush is going to get to Calaris a few times in this game. Uh, and uh, again, BC had the big pass rush, and yeah. they were taken out of the game basically by the game plan. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, all right. Well. Gee, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I I don't think that I care to make it interesting, Joe. I got to say, I, I, I'm going to chicken out of making any bets with you on this one because uh, I think you have. I mean, you, you, you'd even be willing to give the seven and a half points. So I don't think I want to take this bet. Uh, I do wish you bon voyage. Have fun. I'm not going to wish you good luck. Yeah, you want to win this one too. That's fair. <laughs> that would be would be pretty fantastic after so long with just nothing to show for these seasons. I mean, at least you're due. I mean, our our sorry, you're due. So that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, the appearance is nice. You know, the appearance is nice. We weren't expecting it. You know, haven't had it since 2010. Okay, they were that's at the nice, park in April. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, we were we were given Moss and Fajardo. I mean, there wasn't much optimism there in the beginning, but yeah, it's 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 nice to be in the Grey Cup. I am shocked, and I'm looking forward to waking up around midnight <laughs> to watch this game local kickoff time. Uh, another sleep deprived weekend. In any case, okay, well, let's shut this out. Uh, final prediction on score? I would say 24 to uh, 9. 24 to 9. Intriguing. And Oliveira is your MOP, probably? Probably. It's just yeah. in the game. In the in the um, the league awards were voted on before last week, so it's going to be Kelly. I have no problem with that. Mostly because I don't give two craps about the awards, but right. Well, yeah, I know you're the wrong person to ask about this. I think all of it um, it's, gets the nod because of the way the game plan is going to work. He'll score a touchdown. He'll have his, he'll have his 125, 130 yards. Right. 
uh, in, in the touches he gets, whether it's through the air or on the ground, he'll do what he's got to do to help keep the team moving. That's what it's going to take. Well, I think I'm going to stick with my 16 to 10. <laughs> I, I'm going to go Winnipeg 16 to 10 in this game. I, I, I want a chance to bet that, that seven and a half, basically looking for an excuse. But I think the smart play, if 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 you're wagering, I think the smart play is the under. It's the under. It's got to be the under. Right. I mean, that's way too. Forty-seven and a half is way too high for these two teams. Way too much. All right. Well, Joe, have a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to living vicariously through you. Uh, keep us updated. Where can folks follow your stuff? on twitter facebook whatever yeah, that's pretty much it just my twitter if if you're listening okay. to the show you probably have it already so <laughs> <laughs> and really yep. usfl techmo yep. on twitter now now joe all the people that listen to the show are going to be expecting dispatches from hamilton so i'll probably be too busy to be putting a lot on there <laughs> <laughs> all right great well stay busy having fun Otherwise, we're signing off for Grey Cup Week. Go Alouettes for my co-host, Joe Pritchard, who says, go Bombers. I'm Oz Davis. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Happy Grey Cup. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.